This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot BioProven. Get what you paid for, the nitrogen that stays put, whether or not. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. Kevin Johansson is a Midwestern cow-calf producer. Like many farmers, he found it challenging in the current labor market to find good help to work on his farm. We talk about the changing ways people are finding great employees, and a new app he has developed to help farmers like himself find full and part-time help for their operations. Plus, at the end of the show, we take a trip to White Cloud, Kansas, to meet a lady that's helping transform the town. It's our topic for this week's Farm in the Countryside, and it's brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. In a time of much higher input costs, especially for nitrogen fertilizer, now is a great time to explore the opportunities with Pivot BioProven. Pivot BioProven's microbes adhere to the root of the corn plant, providing a proven source of nitrogen throughout the growing season. No matter the weather, this is a source of nitrogen that's not lost to Mother Nature. It's an efficient, economic, and sustainable way to get your crop the nitrogen it needs. I hope you'll explore the opportunities to do more with less. It's a great time to see the impact it can make on your farm. Just go to pivotbio.com to get more information. We've all heard about, and perhaps experienced, the tight job market. Farmers may be in need of full-time, part-time, or custom job employees. However, finding the best people, or maybe anyone at all, can be difficult. That is what Kevin Johansson was experiencing as a farmer. He and some family members decided to work on the challenge, both for themselves and others looking for ag employees. Kevin founded something called Ag Butler. One of the things I really like about Kevin and his business is that Kevin is a farmer who is simply trying to help others. Sure, he'd like to turn a profit on Ag Butler, but I think you'll find he has a real heart for agriculture and wants to help other farmers and rural America as a whole succeed. Here's our conversation. Kevin, we know that there's labor shortages out there, really picking industry, but give me your thoughts right now on the ag industry. Really, what are you seeing as far as labor shortages, and are there any certain sectors of the ag industry that seem more short than others? Well, we've we've been seeing the labor issues in agriculture for multiple years, but it's just been heightened in the last couple of years with what's going on in society, and and people are taking a closer look. Um, and really, there's not one particular area that is more than the others. It seems to be pretty even across the across all industries within agriculture. But what's interesting is um, I was at an event this summer, and people didn't, you know, people talked about the labor and ever aging age of the American farmer, but nobody really realized that that same demographic that was getting older faster was also the cornerstone labor force in those rural communities. And so um, trying to address that narrative so the light bulb kicks on and really for people to take a serious look at what we're trying to face in the coming months, really. So as you see these labor shortages, was it something that was impacting you directly then? Because you, you're a farmer, you've got cattle and so forth. So what were you seeing personally? 
Well, about four years ago, we came back um, to Lebanon, Missouri, and started helping, taking more of a um, managerial role in the family operation there, um, hay and seed stock operation. And, um, you know, spending a lot of time in the cab of a tractor, running a bush hog, and a tractor is a great think tank because you're by yourself. And, and really, I was listening to podcasts and entrepreneurial podcasts and started kind of putting two and two together of saying, you know, me spending the day bush hogging 80 acres of a field where I could be doing X, Y, Z. And if I just had another person that wanted to sit in a tractor, then we could get be more efficient, productive, and, and really just starting to connect those dots. And on the flip side, I've been a laborer for a day help or an extended period of time on other operations. And um, whenever I was doing that type of work in college and early adulthood, um, it was basically word of mouth uh, references or hopefully that person had your contact in their phone or, dare I say it, Rolodex to get a hold of you later. And and so um, trying to lay all that detail out to see how we could build something to where everybody knows it's a one-stop shop to source all those needs. Do you think now that farm labor is more piecemeal and it's by certain jobs, kind of this gig economy type of thing? Or certainly we have folks that are still looking for full-time laborers on the farm that, you know, can help with harvest, planting, everything. What do you see out there? Is that, you think, changed a lot, not only the last decade, but maybe even the last year or two with COVID? Yeah, you know, I with the whole COVID scenario, it has opened some eyes and maybe people take a closer look at what they want to do with their career. And a lot of them um, might be an individual that grew up on a family operation, but took a different career path. And then, you know, um, I'm approaching 40 years old, but I've always been in agriculture. But somebody at my age might think, hey, I would like to go back to our family operation and help continue it on. So that opens up a whole avenue um, of people that have the experience but just need a refresher course and so it gives them opportunities to pick up some gig jobs i mean uh, whenever i was doing gig work it wasn't really a buzzword it was more freelancer work and uh, day help and so um, agriculture is is no stranger to the gig economy it just hasn't came this direction and people have just done the old way of sourcing their help so you see all this going on. You've been in the farming industry, in a sense, all your life. So tell me about Ag Butler then. What begins to kind of take place, and how do you begin to build this out? Because you see a need, and you're wanting to help fill that need. Well, four years ago, as we came up with this idea, we went straight to the source, friends and family in the industry, um, to figure out what their pain points were, how often they hire part-time labor, um, and the list goes on. And really what we were looking at was building it to where it wasn't, um, it wasn't overcomplicated for every level of tech-savvy people out there um, to be able to utilize it. And the main thing we wanted it to be was a great customer experience at the start. So people wanted to come back and see what was there. Um, and really the nuts and bolts of it is we are connecting farmers and ranchers with high quality on-demand laborers that are in around the communities. And, you know, we already talked about people just hiring by word of mouth. 
most most of us know people that are available in the five to ten mile radius around your operation or your community but if you expand that radius out to 30 maybe 40 miles because people travel quite a bit more to do jobs it just opens up that uh, talent pool quite a bit more so there are others out there that try to do something like this what do you feel like is your niche then in the, the marketplace what are you able to do that perhaps others can't right now well i think um our our biggest advantage with Ag Butler is, uh, bar none, the team that we put together um, to really roll out this platform and our business plan, and ultimately the network that we have in agriculture. Um, all of us have a certain lane that we have had through our uh, career development. Um, mine's more grassroots, whereas my wife and uh, sister-in-law are more on the communications and graphic design. Um, my brother's involved as well with uh, corporate ag and brand strategy. And then a friend of ours has been tied in with uh, ag economics. Um, and so the team essentially is kind of where we see our advantage, where we have been able to really spread the word and the narrative with through our network and our connections to all the associations and organizations through agriculture. So in basic terms, uh, I'm a farmer, I need some labor, I go on the website, do I sign up, do I pay a fee, how do I find then the people that you've got out there that might be able to fill what work I have? So it's really easy steps. Um, if, if you're using a smartphone, you go to your favorite app store and download Ag Butler, and then you fill out a simple profile. We don't ask for a whole lot of information, just name, location, email, and a cell phone number. And you fill out those details, and then you can go um, on for free. And then you can kind of just uh, take your own little tour of the app. And then when you're ready to post a job, uh, you add a certain location for jobs. And what's really neat about for the employer is if you have multiple locations of your operation, you can set up those different locations um, so the person can go straight to that source. And so once you set those up and you're ready to post a job, um, you put in a form of payment, and that payment is just there for whenever you make the connection fee. And the connection fee is a simple $20 flat fee uh, to get connected with somebody in and around your community to help you out on your operation. How do you find the people then that are looking for jobs? How do you get enough uh, workforce on there? Well, um, that's always been a worry of ours, and since about May of June, May or June of uh, 2021, uh, we really saw the growth of the app almost parallel. Um, the The employer to labor ratio is about 50/50 on profiles, and so that's been really encouraging. Um, we've have got laborers from college age all the way up to uh, that baby boomer demographic of all ages and all experience and and um, you really see even more of a drive um, from the young people especially uh, college students that are wanting to stay in production agriculture and so um, our whole real big mission like I had mentioned before that um, that tried and true labor force that is aging out we need to replace them so um, the other mission for Ag Butler is to encourage our young people to stay in production agriculture and not discourage them from being involved. For the laborers that are on there, are they often looking for part-time work or is it full-time? What's the ratio that you're finding so far of what people are looking for and what people are 
willing to do, if you will. Um, on the labor side, uh, there's quite a bit of part time. Um, there are people that are um, applying for or looking at the full time positions, and we've we've seen an uptick in full time jobs being posted. Um, a lot of people that we've talked to here recently have tried Indeed or ZipRecruiter and all those, and uh, some of those full-time positions just kind of get lost in the shuffle because they're not in high demand. And so they're starting to come to our platform to see if they can source it because they know that we're advertising and promoting to rural communities, to people that know agriculture and want to be involved in agriculture. If I'm someone out there looking for a job, does it cost me anything to be a part of it? No. Uh, to sign on is is free to uh, check out the platform and, and utilize it to your benefit. Uh, the only charge is a connection fee to the employer. Um, we're looking at rolling out some new tools and features um, to increase the user experience on both sides. Um, you might see some membership, uh, VIP memberships and rewards programs as we roll out that might um, cost a little bit and that's just to see how involved you want to be through the platform but right now it's it's free to post put a profile on and uh, try to find some work so with you started this before covid so has covid in a sense been a good thing for this app because people really are short of labor or has it been a bad thing because you can't find enough labor well that's that's kind of an interesting question because um really the silver lining of covid it allowed us to uh, expedite the build out of the platform and is in really shining the light on ag labor shortage we've always had you always see different labor shortages in other industries and nobody really thought about agriculture until uh, we started seeing food not being on the shelves at your grocery stores and people wondering if food was coming but you know farms never stop so it's always to get it to that point and then people start seeing and realizing that we have a void um and you know talking about trying to replace the uh, baby boomer demographic it's also that summer event that kind of shined a light on that for me was also a huge generational shift that would be taking over the management and um ownership of these operation it's almost a two generation shift and if i recall right they said that that hasn't happened since like world war ii of that big of a generational shift and so um you know we have agriculture has a lot of hurdles to get through and i think this was the last one that people really haven't thought about and now it's kind of been put in a spotlight with other things happening in society do you have any idea wages how they have uh, changed or does your app really get involved in, in that side of things that's one of the cool features for um, both the laborers and employers um, all of the laborers have a base rate that they're willing to do work for at the lowest rate and you see those all over the board um, and on the flip side for employers they can put on their job posting what they're willing to pay um, laborers. And so it takes all that awkwardness out of once the job's done and you get into that conversation, well, appreciate your help, uh, what I owe you, well, whatever you think. And so it's all up front to where that um, conversation um, can be avoided and everybody knows up front what's going to happen. Eventually, we're working towards where payment could be made straight through the app and um, we're never going to take a percentage of that transaction. We're here to uh, be able to 
get people jobs and help farmers and ranchers get the tasks done that they need to get done. What surprised you the most so far in this journey uh, with this business? I think the biggest surprise has been uh, having to be able to be really flexible in changing our marketing uh, strategy to our people that we're trying to get uh, the app to just because through all of 2020 and through 2021 up until uh, let's see summer of this year there was really uh, no in-person events and so we were always uh, trying to stay as flexible as possible to get that narrative out there so you're still you know taking hay to cows and doing all that has that changed your work any uh, being involved in this now Yes, um, I I have to be disciplined on uh, keeping some office hours and not get tied up into you know weather event. But the great thing is we have these smartphones in our pockets that um, is a great tool. And most people in production agriculture have not only um, Ag Butler hopefully on their phone, but they also have other. Um, operating systems that help them manage and uh, keep track of the operation right at their fingertips. I know that you know you're in business because you want to make money, but it does sound like that you have done this because you see a need and you're trying to just help people fill that need in a lot of ways. Correct. Yeah, this is more of a passion project, I guess. Um, you know, I'm a fifth generation farmer. Um, between my wife and I, we have three century farms that are still in operation by family members. And so uh, we also have two girls that are seven and two. And um, I've always been a part of agriculture and want to continue that uh, family heritage of being in agriculture and be a part of uh, the production agriculture process. And so um, I always look at it as the rural communities have always kind of got forgotten about. And there's a whole bunch of value for people that want to move back to rural communities. And so for Ag Butler, the ag part of it is just the foundation. And what we want to do is build it into kind of like a LinkedIn community for rural communities to where we can provide continued education um, and other industries within our rural communities that need uh, help with bank tellers or CPAs need extra help during tax season, et cetera, as to where that really gig economy is going to work at doing because a lot of the studies show that the gig economy is going to be the way people are going to want to go to where they have flexible schedules. Well, it sounds like you're looking at the entire rural community in the future. I mean, certainly ag is a huge part of that, but there are a lot of rural businesses that perhaps are in the same boat as a lot of farmers are. Exactly. I mean, uh, the thing about rural communities, most rural communities, their main industry that keeps them going is agriculture. But then you have all these offshoots that uh, keep the rest of the community going. And so um, that's that's where we kind of see the void. And what really drove us to do this, I mean, my social feed on different social media platforms, people were going to those uh, uh avenues to try to source labor for part-time work or full-time work and it just made sense that not everybody gets to see those posts so if you can pull everybody into one spot and have a suite of tools to help improve um, their way of life in rural communities that would be very beneficial you can find kevin and ag butler online at agbutlerapp.org or just look for the ag butler app in your app download store 
It's a great concept from a cow-calf operator trying to help other farmers find the help they need. We have time for one more stop this week. I was recently in the town of White Cloud, Kansas, along the Missouri River in the northeast corner of the state. I had a chance to visit with Deb Bryan. I'll let her share her background and ties to the community. I was impressed by what she's been doing in the small town, working to restore some key pieces of the community's heritage. This is. I'm Deb Bryan, and I'm from Hiawatha, Kansas. So, Deb, we'll get to the mural in a second. Why don't you just give me a little bit of family history and your tie here to White Cloud? Because that's kind of what brought you back and made this a place you wanted to kind of help restore, in a sense. I graduated from Hiawatha High School, so did my husband. I went to medical school in Omaha. After I completed medical school, I um, came back home to practice. I did Indian Health Service payback. So I'm a member of the Iowa tribe. And White Cloud's named after my grandfather, uh, Chief Francis White Cloud. Okay. And Francis White Cloud helped sign the plot purchase with General Clark. So that was his kind of claim to fame. And then I um, was driving through White Cloud on my way to work. And I'd always come here as a kid. And I loved this building, the general store. And I saw it deteriorating. And I kind of pursued going after it and I bought it about five years ago it was in pretty disrepair and I thought well I can just work on a little bit at a time on weekends and I applied for some grants through the Kansas Heritage Trust Fund and it kind of took off from there and that's how I've grown to love White Cloud and the people here you own several buildings around town now, it sounds like. I sought this one, and most everyone else came to me and asked me if they'd buy their buildings after that. And so um, I couldn't turn them down because they wanted them saved. So I think they think that I can save them, and I'm, I've been trying to save everyone. So I got roofs on most of them, and then tuck pointing and windows and just trying to get them stable, and then we tackle the inside. So talk about the mural across the street, because that's uh, kind of a beautiful representation of past and present. Two of my tribal members, Sydney Purcell and Ruby Rod. Um, Ruby and Sydney are very good artists, and they knew about a rocket grant that was through the Charlotte Street Project in Kansas City. So we decided that we were going to apply for it. It's called a community um, mural because we had input from the community and what they wanted on there. And so we met with the community. We had kids come and paint on the mural to be a part of it. We filmed it all. And um, we ended up um, applying for this mural, and we were one of six that got the grant. And it took us about two years from all the weather problems to prep prep the building and get it up there but we are so proud of how it looks since it's radio and they can't see it talk about kind of what's in the mural then well the mural is a representation of Pete the pig which um, as you know the Willie Chapman story and so the the piggy bank is big because it it brought white cloud to fame because that little boy that bought that pig raised this money for the American leper um, colonies. And it went into all the church bulletins, and they got such a big response. So it also represents Paper Moon, the movie that was partially filmed here. 
and it also represents the railroad community that it was through the A&N Railroad. And then the river is so much an important part of White Cloud that we had to put the river. And then someone drove up and said, you can't have the river without a little boy fishing and a dog. So that's how that got there. And so everybody kind of added something. And then the beautiful, of course, Glacial Hills. That was very instrumental for the mural. But the community chose those things, and so it represents the community. Why don't we wind up with this? Just talk about what your dream is for what's happening, because you're kind of mid-process in some ways here. Well, I go to a lot of um, town meetings, and the Hefid program in Hiawatha had a girl that came and spoke once, and she said, the number one thing that brings people back home or to community is beauty. And believe it or not, it's not jobs, it's not, you know, uh, other things, but beauty is the number one. So I think that this small town could be so beautiful, and they have actually buildings to save. So I, I want to make it like a, like a destination place to go and spend the day. And she said that if you're going to bring back a town from a ghost town status, you kind of need to have four things. So I thought, well, you got to have something for them to come back to. So that's why I originally went for four buildings, kind of. That was going to be my limit to make each one something different to keep people coming back. And then it's just grown from there. That's it for this edition of our show. Remember, you can hear all of our shows at farmingthecountryside.com. And you can get more info by following Farming the Countryside on Facebook as well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Andrew McCray. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot Bioproven. Get what you paid for. The nitrogen that stays put, whether or not. Learn more at pivotbio.com.